0: The best thing I can tell somebody is just start. Don't get discouraged with failure.
1: Global shortages are causing farm input costs to skyrocket. A Better Way to Farm shows you how to take control of inputs and maximize profits so you can farm the way you want. Now, from America's heartland, here's your host. Hey, everyone. Tyler here, field agronomist with A Better Way to Farm, where we spend each and every day providing solutions to farmers to grow better crops, and to make more money. I hope that you're having a great day, and we thank you for tuning into our podcast. You know, when you listen to Rod, whether it's at a meeting or over social media, even on the phone, he talks about making more profit. Now, the other side of making that profit is really it's kind of tough to save yourself into prosperity, and I say that only because on today's episode, we've got a client that is truly working on ways to increase his yield and to make more money. Now, today's guest is a hobby farmer, if you ask him, raises corn, soybeans on his 80 acres of paradise just east of the Mississippi. Now, one thing that we can relate to is that Ricky is challenged with making that profit on his farm so that he can grow it, maybe even get some more ground, or possibly even hand it over to the kids when they're old enough. So let's take a quick dive into Ricky's story and talk to him today. So Ricky, thanks for joining us. How are you doing, man? I'm not too bad. Well, good. I appreciate the time. I know we're both very busy. I know that you do have an exciting story that I want to get to, but every time we bring somebody on, we always have to start with the basics, right? So why don't you tell the folks that are listening today a little bit about kind of who you are, where you're from, and what you farm and all that fun stuff. Uh, My name's Rick Meyer live in rural
0: Eppingham, Illinois, grow corn, soybeans, a little bit of hay here and there, been with a better way to farm for probably three years now. I don't know if there's much more to tell than that.
1: <laughs> no, and we'll, and we'll dive into that. So one of those times where, you know, I do a lot of the interviews where we have clients come on that have been with us for a few years, or maybe if it's even longer, you know, you look at someone like Jerry Cox. I know um, Jerry has told his story several, several times, and he's been doing this with us for over 20 years, right? It's always nice to hear those stories that people are having success increasing their their corn yield by 50 bushel or soybeans, you know, they're hitting hundred bushel soybeans or whatever it is. The interesting thing about your story is again, kind of, you know, you've got 80 acres, so you know, it's not 8,000, you know, I'll bring it up here in a little bit. This is not your, your full-time job. Uh, like. You told me earlier, and I I mentioned it a second ago, that you consider yourself a hobby farmer. Now, I'm jealous. I only have three total acres, and you have 80. So, you're a lot bigger farmer operator than I am, Rick. So, uh, cherish that and and use that as you will. You know, we did start somewhere, right? Yeah, you're doing some cool stuff that we're going to get into, But what was it that that kind of started your journey with the A Better Way to Farm team just a few years ago? It was a little bit different than just meeting on our Facebook page or even uh, now we've got some TikToks out there. So kind of lead us into that side of it, if you would.
0: So about three years ago, you know, we was always working ground, doing stuff the old same old way, letting the co-op tell us what we need to do. (laughs) um, Well, Guy I went to school with, graduated high school with. He got into selling some cover crop and sold us in to how it's going to better our stuff, you know, soil health and yeah, he, I don't know how you
1: <laughs> He wasn't wrong with some of that, but he might have been wrong with some of the... So, there's implementation and there's uh kind of the practice, right, that's behind it. So, that really didn't work out. The first year out of the gate, He's like, you, you thought, hey, this is a good trusted advisor. I'll take his advice and... We'll put some cover crops in the ground, and how did that work out?
0: Yeah, you know, not so great. <laughs> we uh, <laughs> we put it out. Yeah, we thought we were doing good. Got in, and it was a wet year. Planted mm-hmm. we the Memorial Day, long-season corn, and, man, we was really starting to struggle about three weeks later after that. You know, guy said, this is going to be the next best thing since sliced bread. hmm <laughs> And we got yellow corns not looking good, so – we got on another page i was on uh, everything cover crops when he signed up there's good information here guy's been doing it i send out a help message of hey <laughs> you know here's what we got going on and you know, some advice from someone that's dealt with this or you know we're first timers we don't know what we're doing and no response no response and i think a couple days later i got a nice guy named kelly hits me up and <laughs> says hey He's like, I don't know if I can help you with the problem you've got going on, but I think I can get you somewhere where you can learn more so that you can understand it better yourself.
1: Yeah, you got to be careful with Kelly. I tell you what, if anybody is listening, Rick, you know this as well as I do, that Kelly is is full of knowledge. I mean, almost to a fault. We always tell him that's like, dude, you got to stop telling people all the secrets, you know, and, and have them go figure it out on their own. You got to bring him in to some of these meetings. You came into one of those fundamentals of agronomy meetings, the pro-ag meetings that we host. And, you know, you were a part of that as well. And, and Kelly does a fantastic job. And I know that that's, uh, you know, I had the pleasure of meeting you at one of those meetings. And so it was fantastic that he was able to kind of bring you into that. And what was it kind of about your first initial reaction to what we do at A Better Way to Farm than what was a little bit different than your buddy or the classmate that you went to school with coming out and saying, oh, this is what you need to do. And and it'll be, you know, it's basically the silver bullet, right?
0: Oh, 100%. It's, it's basically get out there. You know, I walk the crops probably every night before I go in. We're looking for deficiencies. We're looking... We're pulling tests, we're sending them in, we're getting the knowledge we need to know to actually make a decision, you know, instead of, well, someone says do this and a 50-50
1: hmm So what was it now that you've kind of met Kelly and and you've kind of learned the educational side, you know, you got to meet more of the team, right? Rod was there and myself and Preston, we were all there. I think Chris Wilson was even there. I'm sure he was. What was it that you said, you know what, I'm going to keep going down this cover crop path and I'm going to still kind of try to work this deal in there. Cause I, I, still feel like it's the right thing, but I feel like, you know, now I've got this, you know, this a uh, better way to farm team backing me. I think I can make this work better. How, how did that whole process kind of play through?
0: So my first time up at Proag, they had a guy that did a spiel on nitrogen and placing nutrients mm-hmm. that really, when I'm sitting here looking at what we're doing, really jumped out and I for the life of me can't think of his name but Mm -hmm. I remember it because it's been three years ago (laughs) but and really where we've changed how we do everything here like I said we bought a new planner we put two by two and really focused on row placing especially in this heavy cover and really got away from the dry broadcast doing it the right way that has really just made a big time difference.
1: So now that you're kind of into it what is kind of that main goal that you've kind of stuck with the cover crops and now you're kind of, you know, again, we, we do talk about a a liquid system and, you know, being more efficient with fertilizer and stuff like that. But, but what was it about the cover crop side that ultimately you stuck with and said, you know what, this is going to be my end, kind of the end game with my cover crops. What was that for? Was it, was it, just for herbicide control or, or was it for increase in organic matter or nutrition or, or what was that that made you you know stick with the cover crops even after having such a disastrous you know year one and then kind of thinking you know what i, I still think there's a better way to do this and and these guys are going to help out
0: so it all comes back to the first year so in my river bottom we put out i think like 30 pounds of rye and mm-hmm. let it go, was aiming to go hit it with the rock star. You know, this is going to be the next greatest thing. Ended up getting wet, couldn't get in it, and had to take prevent plant. Never put an ounce of herbicide, never nothing. We went and bush hogged it in August to put more cover crop in after what we found. So never sprayed it, and water hemp has been a major problem in, I think, anybody's area. I don't know <laughs> where it matters, where you're at.
1: Well, anybody that's raising a cash crop, uh, it's a problem. I suppose the people, you know, maybe in the mountains or possibly the desert probably don't have to worry about it. But I think anywhere that the cash crop is grown, especially corn and soybeans around the Midwest, most of the people we deal with, a water hemp is a severe issue, isn't
0: it? It is. And what it'll rob from your plant, and a guy been. And a lot of what we've been told from the local co-ops is, well, if we can't get it, it goes right through the combine, which they're kind of right. It goes right through the combine, but not the best thing we want to see happen. Yeah. But yeah, we went down, bush hogged that field off, went and walked it before we mowed it off. And I think I found in a 20 acre field, five water hemp plants, no herbicide put on at all
1: which is absolutely insane to believe that that's a true story. And, you know, that's the coolest part about what I get to do is that in 20 acres, you had maybe five plants and nothing down at all. That's the biggest key to some of these systems. Yeah. The, you know, what a better way to farm. We do a bunch of consulting on fertility and stuff, but it's not necessarily about all of that, it's just working with a team of people, you know, the Kelly Roters of the world and the Rod Libesys of the world that can get you to that point where you do it the right way and you start seeing some of those benefits. So kind of take us deeper down that path. So where are you seeing, I know you sent me some pictures just a little bit ago about some of that rye and what it's doing. So what's your kind of, where are you at with the cover crops and, and reduced herbicide passes? Is, is that something that you feel like it's making you more profitable?
0: I really do. Cause last year, this year's been crazy. We had to put two herbicide passes down. Wasn't in the game plan, but had to catch some grass and it's been dry, hot and dry. You know, where does her where does water hemp thrive? The only plant I think I know that can grow faster than anything on earth and hot and dry. But last year we had a very clean field, one herbicide a Dicamba Pass, had to hit it up with a little roundup in August, and out in the middle of the field was every bit of 80 bushel, 70 to 80 bushel
1: beans. Now, I probably should have prefaced this, but have you put pencil to paper and figured out the cost of herbicide that you're saving by chance?
0: Last year, I did put pencil to paper and it wasn't as big a savings as what it would be this year.
1: (laughs) Yeah, did anybody notice that uh, herbicide cost went up this year slightly dramatically? Is that how they say that?
0: <laughs> I, I think so because yeah, we went for our burn down when we spray this stuff dead right after we plant. I used to be able to buy a thirty gallon drum of glyphosate for four hundred dollars, and we bought fifteen gallon and it cost us about eight hundred. Holy
1: smokes, <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous, and I know that that's why your story is so exciting. And I'll have to let you tell it, but I'll share a little insight to everybody that's listening. I'm absolutely blessed to get to work with what I think is the best agronomy team in the nation. You know, the, the group of people that we work with, you know, it's not owned by one single person. We're all out here as independent crop consultants, but we just work to, you know, on a team you know, Rick. I was telling you this earlier, but you know, I get a, a text message from Rod, and then just a phone call. It's like, oh, you got to get him on the phone quick. We got to do a, a podcast, and you got to talk to him about his ability to almost wipe completely clean out a herbicide pass. Yeah, you've had to use just a little bit here and there this year, but the amount of money that you're saving this year and, and into the future by doing some of this cover crop stuff is absolutely mind blowing. So that's the biggest key to this, Ricky. Now I wanted to ask what are some of the other steps that those that are listening that are trying to do this cover crop thing, what are some of the other things that they can be doing? You know, maybe it is another product or maybe it is another practice to kind of help get them to the point where they can start to pull back on some of these expensive, I'm going to say fertilizers, but also in this case, you know, specifically expensive herbicides.
0: Yeah, that is a pretty good question because, um, yeah, the best thing I can tell a guy is to go out and get it on. There is going to be a nightmare. You are going to have some nightmares and struggle mm-hmm. to get it going because it is, it's like joining the better way to farm, better way to do it. Of uh, You know, they, they tell you three years to get going. Then the biggest thing I can tell you to do is just do it because you're going to see benefits down the road there are other programs out there that through the usda office that will help you get started i mean there's uh equip is a big one will actually pay for seed and split financial cost and pay you per acre for putting it out there and i definitely think if a guy's going to go to the cover crop situation you got to learn to put the disc in the fence row or you're not going to get as good as results as a guy wants the best thing I can tell somebody is just to start, don't get discouraged with failure.
1: Because it's gonna happen.
0: Something new. Yep. It it's possible it's a very big possibility it will happen. And the best thing you can do is take what you learn and a better way to do it.
1: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So I've I've gotta ask because I know that you are using some of the products and you know, kind of uh off air, you mentioned, you know, one of the products, the the amplify product that you put on how it helps the, the, I think in this instance, you're talking about corn pushing through some of that crop residue, but what is it that you get besides the products? What is it about this team at a better way to farm? You know, the Kelly and Rod, what is it that you couldn't do without If we said, no, nope, we're cutting ties, you go do your own thing. Do you truly believe you would have had the success that you had or, or what is it about the connections that you've made that are helping make this complete system work on your farm there in uh, Illinois?
0: It's the knowledge. They've got a lot more working knowledge than what I've got, 100%. We're learning day by day what we can do and what we can't do. Like I said, best way is, like I said, if we're in a treat, definitely amplify. We learned that this year. Had control or supply shortages due to the COVID-19. That we yeah. couldn't get it, and our stand was not near as good. The best way to get a good stand, I, I think, is definitely treating that seed and get it going. Yeah, it's the best way to get anything done.
1: Yeah, it you know, it's interesting. Obviously, you're in Illinois, so you hear from a company that I'll, I'll just say spends a lot of uh, money to make sure when they plant everything's precise, and they would talk a, a lot about that picket fence stand. I thought it was interesting that 2021 or 2022, that, that we were still concerned with that you could get yield from, you know, even emergence. And, And again, come to one of those two day fundamentals of agronomy programs. I mean, we start out right out of the gate with soil science. Ricky, you talked about that right away, how important it is to look at the, the soil sampling side of things, but we talk about emergence. We talk about the, the seed treatment that yeah we do offer if if you're so inclined to try a product hey guess what yeah well, there are products available that you can look at but it's not necessarily just about one thing that's why i brought up that silver bullet before that's not oh this one thing is going to fix everything it's this complete system that we have in place and you know i think that you are a shining example of of somebody you you've got 80 acres again it's not 8000 acres so When you make a little mistake, it affects you a lot more than it does some of the bigger guys. And so you've got to do it right. Now, when you look at that reduced herbicide and you're able to kind of walk through some of these rising costs, you know, whether it's on the fertility side or in this case, the herbicide increases, that's obviously where that's making more money. And that's kind of what we wanted to showcase today. So I know that we've got a ton more things to talk about. Again, off air, I know we talked about nitrogen. It wasn't me that day that talked about nitrogen. I think I was in another, uh, because of COVID, we had to split that place into two rooms and it was kind of a mess. But anyway, a staunch supporter of lowering your nitrogen. And that's one thing that I'm very much looking forward to talking with you about because you've been, done an excellent job with that as well. But really, as we wrap this episode up, when, when we look at reducing your herbicide costs, using cover crops, what final advice do you have for those listening? Where where can they find out more and get actually good advice? Or, you know, is it reaching out to the team at A Better Way to Farm? They're already listening. So what advice do you have to those people that that still haven't quite you know pulled the trigger on this yet or or whatever what advice do you have for them as we shut this down tonight
0: the best advice i can say is if, if you're not trying something new definitely get out and try it if you're having issues get a hold of them and someone can help you out i mean there's a great network of people in that whole family of a better way to farm I mean, if they don't have the answer, they will find the person with the answer to help you get to your goal.
1: Yeah, that's very, very well said. I, I really appreciate that. Well, Rick, thank you very much for the time today. It was a great conversation. I absolutely look forward to seeing you soon at another ProAg. I appreciate it, man.
0: Yep. Catch you later.
1: And thank you everyone for the love and support, not only here on the Facebook page, but also forms of social media. We hope that you enjoyed this episode on the A Better Way to Farm podcast, and remember to like, subscribe, and leave a review for us so that we can improve this show and bring the best content to you listeners. And as always, we hope that you have a better day.
0: You're listening on the Verbal Crowd Network. Find more great shows at verbalcrowd.com.